Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm calling this message, Trust the Process. You know we're all a work in progress, right? It's a process. I'm calling it Trust the Process. And some of you might be thinking if you watch sports, um, it kind of got the title from it, but there's this basketball player. He's on the Philadelphia 76ers. I am not a Philadelphia 76ers fan, but he's on their team. <laughs> and he's been saying this for years. He was picked a couple years ago, and he's been saying, because they've been a terrible team for years. They're always bottom five, not good. And he's been saying, we'll trust the process. They'd have a top pick every year. We're trusting the process. And they did that for a few years. And they made a little smart decision here one year, a good decision here another year, good draft pick, good draft pick. A couple years later, last year, they were one of the top teams now, and they're even getting better because they made good decisions, good little decisions. And that's what really trusting the process is because it took time, but how much do you know that progress is a process? There we go. But one of the things I actually want to talk about tonight is that, like trusting the process and, and the power of small steps, the power of small faithful steps. A lot of the times we don't want to do that. We don't want to take a little step here, a little step there. We want to take that giant leap, whatever that may be. Maybe it's just maturing in Christ, and we're going to talk about that. Maybe it's, you know, you get that job, you come out of college, and you're starting entry level, and the next day you're hoping to be the CEO. That normally doesn't happen, all right? It's normally small, faithful steps that you work your way up. But a lot of times we want that giant leap, right? But it's all about small, faithful steps, because a lot of the decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow, each and every day. The little decisions we make will determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. Now, before we get into the material, I do want, I have a little story. Now, question. Has anybody here ever played golf before? Okay, a few. So it's something I kind of always wanted to do. So Mark, one of the, the worship director here, and, and he played golf a few times. I said, can we go golfing? And he said, sure. So we went golfing. I didn't know what to expect, but I was excited. And I learned that golfing is a lot more difficult than I thought. It really is um, a process because I thought that you could just walk up and you'd hit the ball and it would go like 200 yards. And we got there and I would get up with the club and, and I realized because my focus always was on the ball. I was like, I'm going to hit this ball so hard. I'm going to get a hole in one. I mean, I can't even hit it five feet. But I was getting so frustrated. I was swinging, almost pulling out my back because I was swinging wrong. I was swinging. I would mark. I, we were actually looking for a video, but we didn't have one. I remember I swung so hard the one time, and I completely missed the ball. But I would just look back and be like, that was just a warm-up swing, you know? And it was very frustrating, to be honest. I was getting really frustrated because I thought I'd get a little better of a handle of it. Honestly, I didn't think I'd be great, but I thought I'd be able to hit the ball. Then he started explaining some things to me about golf. And he's showing me how it was a process because he said it's not about just hitting the ball with the club. He was explaining there's little steps you have to take. You have to have your legs a certain way. Your knees bent a certain way. Your arms have to be straight. You come back with the club. He actually told me, which I never believed, he said, you don't want to actually swing that hard. You, if you have your form right, a gentle swing will drive the ball. Because I was getting frustrated because he was going up there and he wasn't even like he was swinging that hard and the ball was launching. And I was going up and I was swinging it's like a baseball bat and the ball would go two inches. And it was really frustrating. But he showed me this, and there was something I realized during golf. I realized it. It was a revelation. I have control issues. <laughs> I mean, literally, too. Like, I could not control the ball where it was going. But I had control issues because I realized 
man, I'm getting so frustrated because it's not going the way I want it to go. He's trying to tell me certain advice, and I'm kind of just like not listening to him. I'm like, you're not Tiger Woods. Okay, no. But he's, he's pretty decent. He's okay. He's pretty good. But I realized it's a process, and I realized I was having some control issues, and I kept running into that. But then when I got it down a little bit, because when I started focusing on my form a little more, it was getting a little bit better. But this message came about because I want to talk about trusting the process in our walk with Christ, in growing and to mature as Christians, because that's what we are called to do. If you've been a Christian 30 years, if you've been a Christian 10 years, 5 years, a week, if you're not a Christian sitting in here, that's fine as well. We're so happy you're here. We just pray you open your heart to receive what God has for you. But no matter how old you are, how long you've been walking with God, we all have room to grow, right? Say, 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 somebody say, I need to grow. We all need to grow. There's too much at stake. We don't want to stay the same ever in our walk with God. We all want to grow. But in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, the problem that I run into is a lot of times is I try to control that growth. I do. I try to control that life. I try to do things in my own power, at my own pace, or what I think should be my own speed or my own pace, or my own strength. Like I said, whatever it may be, I try to do it on my own, and I try to control that growth. And I try sometimes skipping the things that God is bringing me through, skipping the things that he is trying to grow me in. Because God, you know what? I don't want to grow in patience. I want to grow in wisdom. You ain't going to ever grow in wisdom if you're not growing in patience. Right? But some things we want to skip when God is trying to show us things. We, we don't want the small advances. We want the big, big advances, the big jumps. And that could be in real life, too. That could be with a job, whatever it is. You know, um, I'm going to bring her up all the time. I had a baby like six weeks ago. She's going to be a sermon illustration for the next 10 years. It's going to be great. <laughs> Bianca and I, we had a little daughter, Everest, and she'll be six weeks old. And, you know, she was born, and I'm not trying to sound like a horrible person here, but this is just, tr- just the truth. Newborns freak me out. <laughs> if you ask me to hold your newborn, I might say no, because I just get nervous. It's just, I get a little nervous. So, yeah, I just had a newborn. So she was born at 2.40 in the morning. The most amazing thing in my life, the biggest blessing from God. And it's a little different. It's your kid, so you're not nearly as scared or nervous, you know? So we go to sleep. The next morning, we're up now, and it's about noon. I'm holding her, and I'm like, she is so small. And I'm getting a little bit nervous, like holding her. And I said something to my wife, which probably isn't the best thing to say, like 12 hours after giving birth. I said, I said, Bianca, I can't wait till she's like one years old. I just can't wait till she's like a year old. I think I'll do way better chasing her around the house than I am right now, holding her, you know? And I realized something, though, because now we're about five weeks into this, and now when I'm holding her, I'm saying, please don't grow up, sweetheart. I love you just like this. My thought was, I can't wait until she's one. And I'm thinking, man, that thought was completely wrong because I'd miss everything that God would have for that first year, right? In her life, but also in my life, growing as a parent. Now I'm looking at her, I'm like, don't ever grow up. Jesus, come back before she could date. <laughs> Amen. But we can miss growth in our lives if we try to live that way. You know, we're in September. So even if you have the mindset of, I can't wait till 2019, you still got three months left. Don't let those three months go to waste. God is doing a work in you. He's trying to work in you. Don't just look forward to January 1st because that's going to start a new year. It's going to start a new leaf in my life. New blessings. You got blessings for the next three months for yourself, and you also have to be a blessing to others. All right? So don't, don't despise small advances or steps. I want you to get that in your head. Now, 
I want to start in the book of Deuteronomy tonight. We're going to go Old Testament and then New Testament and back to the Old Testament. And what that is, is the Old Testament was written before Jesus came. The New Testament's after Jesus came. So we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament. Then we're going to jump to the Gospel of Mark, and then we're going to go back to Deuteronomy. But this is kind of where this message came from, because I was reading Deuteronomy, I was studying that. And in this chapter, God is telling the Israelites that they need to destroy all the nations they're going to come up against. He, gives, he says, he's saying, I'm going to give them over to you. He tells them that they might be afraid of those nations, but not to be afraid because God is with them and his power is with them. And then in verse 21 and 22 in the seventh chapter, he says this. He says, no, do not be afraid of those nations for the Lord your God is among you and he is great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. You will not clear them away all at once, otherwise the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. Have you ever read a verse in the Bible you're just reading, and maybe you've read it a hundred times, ten times, but all of a sudden it just hits you, and you stop. And that's what happened to me. I said, God has something for me here to, to learn to see. So I said, God, what do you have? And I realized that the little by little, and he just said, do not, despi- sorry, do not despise small advances in your growth, in your personal life, in your career, whatever it may be, do not despise small advances because the process of maturity is made up mostly of small steps rather than major ones. I've learned that in my own life, small steps. That is true in in almost every area of our life. You know, you might see somebody, you know, if you see a sports player and, and they're at the NFL or whatever it may be, that didn't just happen overnight. They've taken small steps throughout probably their childhood all the way up to being a professional. You see them on the field on Sunday. They're practicing throughout the week. Even when it, I was thinking to myself, even when it comes to writing a sermon for me, and this might not be for anybody else, but for me, it's not just a major idea for me. What I mean by that is normally I don't wake up in the morning. This is just, just be me, and I just kind of boom, and I'm just done. It's, it's made up of small steps throughout the week. Normally in the beginning of the week, I start praying, God, what do you have? If it's in a series, if I'm teaching the youth, whatever it may be, God, what do you have? Or if it's a standalone, and I normally wait until I get that, and I kind of get confirmation. And then I start thinking, what do I want them to take away? Then I make an outline. Then I start writing. When I'm done, I do the most important thing, the scariest thing, too. I give it to my wife, and I say, can you look this over? Let me know what you think, because I know she will let me know what she thinks. So I give it to her, and then she, she tells me feedback or whatnot. And then normally I always make sure, if like for example, today, if it's a Saturday, I let the message sit. I don't look at it really because I just pray, God, open my heart. Because if there's something else you want to do that's not in those notes, I'm open for that. So just open my heart to what the people in the room need to hear. So it's a process. And in our lives, you know, God might not be handing over nations to you, like he was telling the Israelites, but he needs all of us to grow and mature because he does have things for us to conquer and to do. He has a purpose for all of us. He might have that business for you to start, that nonprofit for you to start, that family to raise, those kids to homeschool, that career to go into, that Bible study to start, whatever it may be. He has something for us. He has has a purpose for each one of us, but we need to make sure we're growing in Christ because without that, that purpose, we're not going to really reach what he wants because we need to be faithful. We need to grow in Christ. That needs to be number one, but he has something for each and every one of us. So after this Deuteronomy, I went to Mark chapter 4. I know there's these two parables in there that I love. And we're going to go to Mark chapter 4 because it's great, because it shows us how things work, how things grow, and it contains these two parables. And one is the parable of the growing seed, which will be the first one we'll read. And then it's the parable of the mustard seed. 
And I love these parables because they're really tangible and they're good imagery, concrete imagery of the way that God works in our lives and around the world. You know, if anybody here gardens or whatever, you do plants. Plants, how do they grow? They, know they grow beneath the surface, right? And then, it, what, it comes up, the plant, the plant grows, but it doesn't just start growing above the ground. That'd be weird. It starts beneath the surface. It starts with a seed that you can't even see right away. You just plant it. And then what do you even have to do? I mean, think about it. You want to talk about small steps, and this is why every plant that comes to my house we kill because we just forget to do this. You normally have to water it. Make sure it's maybe, depending on what plant it is, if it's in direct sunlight or not, or sunlight a few days, make sure you take care of it. And then it grows, but it starts beneath the surface. And that's how God grows us. He is nurturing our lives. Even if you can't see growth yet in your life, something is happening beneath the surface. Say to your neighbor, say, something is happening. You are growing. Something is happening beneath the surface in your life, even if you can't see it yet. God is moving in you, and he is working in you. So I want to go ahead and read these two parables. I mean, we're going we're to break them down, but at first I just want to go through them. So we're going to start. It's Mark chapter 4 to 26 to 32, and it starts about the growing seed first. And it says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. So that's the parable of the growing seed. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but now let's, let's go on to the next verse where he starts talking about the parable of the mustard seed. And it says, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. I love this because the mustard seed, I was going to bring one in for a visual, but it's literally so small you wouldn't be able to see it. It's like this big. And Jesus is using this illustration. He's using the smallest seed that there is. But he's saying that we can look at the small mustard seed and then at the enormity of what it eventually grows into and think about that and believe it. The ways God can transform something small into something incredible. The way that you might be thinking you're only taking a little step, but God is doing that because maybe 10 years from now, he has something for you to do, and you're not going to realize it all started 10 years ago. It all started with a little mustard seed, but then it grew. There are things in all of our lives we'll be doing five, ten years from now, and we'll realize it started then. You know, I mean, think about this church. God put a vision on Pastor Joe and Pastor Barbara's heart, and they stepped out in faith. And, right, it didn't just, this building just didn't appear on the first day with all these people. It was small, faithful steps being obedient to God each way. Don't despise the small beginnings. And also, from this really quick, from the mustard seed, there's something that I realized, and I wanted to make sure I, I, I said this, because we need to realize from this parable that faith is decision and obedience rather than ability. So if you're thinking, well, I don't have the ability to do that, faith is obedience. Faith is obedience. And that's what the obedience and faith from your faith releases the Holy Spirit to accomplish whatever task God has for you. And, you know, Jesus... Uh, he's the greatest teacher there is in the Word of God. Well, he's the greatest teacher. And he used parables so much because, really, they're a great way to make us think. Because he told parables 
to express the unexplainable transformation power of God to the people in that day. He would talk about certain things that they, for them, they could relate to. He could tell a story, whatever it may be. I love the parables. Now, going to these two parables, we see growth in both. So what does God's transformative growth in our lives look look like? And what can we do to make sure we're growing? One thing I just want to say is this, and I think this is the first and most important thing. First of all, we have to believe that transformation is possible in our life. You have to believe it. It might sound simple, but there's a lot of us, myself included, that maybe it's through a season in your life, whatever you go through, and you think, man, I'm I'm not going to really grow into what God has for me, or, or God doesn't have a purpose for me. You have to believe that it's possible. No matter where you feel like you are now, you have to believe that it's possible. Too often, we live our lives as though we are the mustard seed. Small, right? Unable to do something. Where we need to see that God is actually calling us to live our lives as though we are the greatest of all shrubs that puts forth large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And, that's, and, don't give, and you do that humbly because that's not you. That's God working through you. But we don't want to tend to live our lives as we're insignificant in the grand scheme of things because like the mustard seed, the potential for growth is actually with us, within us from the very beginning. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. You have faith now, but you have to grow that faith. It starts small, but you've got to do it. You have to grow it, but you need to believe it, and then you need to work at it. And you know, I think we, some people might live like this, feeling like we're insignificant. It's because our world that we live in, it's not the easiest thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing our country compared to other countries. We have it amazing. We have it great. But I see a lot of people, sometimes they live thinking they're insignificant because, you know, there's a lot going on. You know, the, the, the news, the, the, you know, they put out this materialism, how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to act. Social media has made people see other people and have completely started this comparison trap where people are hoping that they were this person, even though they don't realize that person taking that picture, that was the 20th time they took that picture, they didn't look that good the first time, okay? Or whatever it is. Or we see, the one thing I saw, and this pastor said this once, um, he's a, his name's Pastor Stephen Furtick. And he is in North Carolina, he has a huge church, and he said this, because he was talking about this comparison trap, and if you're like social media and you're watching, whatever it may be, we see all these people's highlight reels. You see the best of their life. You're not seeing what they're going through on a daily basis. And then you think, why can't my life be like that? Why can't I live like that? But you don't see the struggles that they're going through. You're just seeing the highlight reels. And then when we do that, we struggle with feelings of inadequacy or feelings of failure. And going off failure for a second, I want to say this, because I truly believe that failure is not really a thing as long as you grow from it. It's only really a failure if you don't take anything from it. Because some people get so scared of failure that they won't step out and try to do anything. And that's not, we got to step out. If you grow from it, it's not failure. It's not failing. That's why we don't want to live our life as the mustard seed, where we feel small, we feel helpless, we feel lost. Because our lives are the farthest thing from meaningless. We're created. We're redeemed. God has a purpose for you. Amen? We need to live our lives believing that God's power to nurture and grow and transform us is already working within us. It is already working within us. You know, I see this all the time in youth ministry at New Youth. Kids come and they start coming from sixth grade. 
And now you see them in 11th to 12th grade. And they think, I'm not doing anything with my life. God's not moving in my life. And I say to them, I say, when you came in here in sixth grade, you were crazy. No, I'm just kidding. I said, you were running around. You weren't paying attention to the message. Now look, you're helping out in small group. You're asking questions in small group. You're running a soundboard. You're running visuals. You're hosting a game. I said, I've seen this in your life. God moving. You've taken little steps, little steps of faithfulness. And God is working in you. God is growing in you. Sometimes we need to take a step back because we won't realize that in our own lives. The little steps were taken that God is working in us, that he is growing in us. So the first thing I was talking about is you need to believe that there is transformation growth going on within you. And then another question I want to ask is who is nurturing the growth in the parable of the growing seed? Who's nurturing that growth? Because we go back to verse 26. It says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts, but he does not understand how it happens. So who's nurturing the growth? Is it God or is it the sleepy farmer? It's God. God is nurturing to growth. I hate to break it to you if you have control issues like I do. God is the one who nurtures the growth in our lives. But notice, the farmer had to do something. He had to scatter some seed. We need to take some small faithful steps, some small obedient steps. We need to plant some seeds places for God to grow us. And then he will do the growth. God will do that. He's the one who nurtures transformative growth within us. We need to trust the process. And a lot of that is letting go. Letting go of control in some areas of your life. You know, I was talking to the young adults on Thursday. And I said to them, I said, hey, we were, just, we were talking. And I said, when, you, when people come to Christ, you see it sometimes, people, and not even just people who come to Christ, because sometimes it could be 20 years later and we fall into this. We start looking at God like he's a spiritual asset or a spiritual addition into our life instead of letting him be Lord over our life, over every area of our life. So maybe the obedient step you need to take is, God, what parts of my life am I trying to control? And what do I need to let go and let you be Lord over that? Every area we need to let God be Lord over our life. He's always working beneath the surface of our lives. We have to believe, though, that something as powerful is happening. And even more so, we need to let go of the control and let God be Lord over every area of our life and work within us. So now I want to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. Because now you would be saying, okay, well, let's go. Let's, how are we going to do this? I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. No matter what, I want to grow. So how can we do this? And I thought of three major ways we can do this to grow in our relationship with Jesus to become more like him, to grow, because people are depending on us to grow. We don't ever, don't stay the same. Number one is depend. Depend. Deuteronomy 142 says, but the Lord told me to tell you, he's speaking through Moses, do not attack for I am not with you. If you go ahead of your own, on your own, you will be crushed by your enemies. We need to depend on God's presence in our lives. We, we need to. We need to make sure, listen, he says, do not attack for I am not with you. The good thing though is this, is this is in the Old Testament now. If we go to the new covenant which we're living in is we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. God is always with us. So how do we depend on God's presence? Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit lead you each and every day. 
What do you feel that tug? Because people, too, they think the Holy Spirit is going to shout something at them, and that's not always the case. Maybe you feel a tug to write that book. Well, start taking a little bit of step of that. Maybe you, maybe you feel a tug to, to go into that career field. Well, if you need to go get education for that, take that small step. Go get the education for that. Whatever it is, let the Holy Spirit lead you in all you do and be obedient to him. Look for promptings throughout your day. Because here's the thing. I want to share two quick stories. Don't just look for the Holy Spirit to speak to you for these major events you think are going to happen in your life. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you each and every day. And when you learn to hear his voice more, you'll, then you'll hear those big major steps he wants to take you, and you can hear his voice for those little steps. You know, when my wife and I, when we came home from the hospital, the doctors looked at the baby, everything, everything was fine. And then we noticed as the baby was eating, the baby's been very gassy. All right? <laughs> very gassy. Um, she's been very gassy, so at first Bianca's like, I'm not really eating anything that would cause that. I said, I don't know. I said, maybe track what you're eating, see if there's something that is triggering it. But we noticed it was kind of consistent. There wasn't anything or any day that would set it off. So Bianca said, she was praying about it. She said, you know, I think she might have a tie, like a tongue tie in her mouth. And I said, Bianca, I said, the doctors looked. They said everything is fine. Everything's good. She said, I don't know. I kind of feel strongly about it. So I said, all right, well, if that's how you feel, call up a doctor. Let's make an appointment. So we called up a doctor, and we went, a, a pediatrician dentist. And we go there to this office, very nice people. And we go in, and they said, your daughter, she has a tongue tie, an upper lip tie, and two cheek buckles, which is not anything major. It's not anything scary. It happens all the time to babies. And they say they could be breathing in more air, which can cause that gas. So we're like, okay. So they did the consultation, so we scheduled an appointment. That was on a Monday, this past Monday, and the appointment was going to be on Thursday. So we said, okay. And I was like, Thank God we went. You know, she, just, she, she was listening. She just had a feeling. So we went. Tuesday comes along. I was just getting a weird feeling in me that nothing, nothing against the place. The people were nice, but just like, I was like, something's not sitting right with me. I don't know what it is. Something's not sitting right. And I started noticing that. So I said, God, if, if something's not right, because I said, God, I asked you when I, we found out we were having a baby, I said, God, I need wisdom. When I found out we were having a girl, I said, I need real wisdom. But God's got to give me wisdom. So I said, something's not sitting right here. So then Wednesday morning comes, and I said to her, I said, okay, she got a recommendation from this Facebook page. And it was just this place and another place. Those were the only two places they put. I said, Bianca, I said, are you sure there's no other places around? She said, I don't know. I said, Wednesday, I said, can you just look, please? Can we, can we just go get a second opinion? I, something's not sitting right. She said, of course, if that's how you feel. So she called up a place, and we went Thursday to another place. Very nice place. And this was nothing against the first place. We go in there, and the doctor starts showing us her mouth, and he says, she just has a lip tie and a tongue tie. I said, her cheeks are perfectly fine. She doesn't have cheek buckles. She doesn't need to get that done. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but it's just those little promptings from the Holy Spirit. It's just being obedient to the little things. Yesterday, I had something amazing happening. I thank God that I listened to him because we're, so Bayville's starting in two weeks. So we made postcards that we're going to set out, send out to surrounding neighborhoods, letting them know the church is opening you know, so we had these postcards made for the direct mail. We're going to send them out in about a week so they get to these homes. So I have them sitting there, and I'm, I'm in charge of this part uh, of making sure they get to the Bayville post office to go out. And I knew they were made right. It was really weird. I wasn't doubting that they were made right because they have to be a certain size, made a certain way with a certain stamp. I knew they were made right, and Mark, I knew he was going to be going to Bayville. And I said to myself, I said, I started feeling, I was like, you know, maybe since I have the time, maybe I should just go there and bring them a car just to make sure, hey, this is all perfect so we don't run into any problems. And I was like, no, you know, I got so much to do today. I was preparing for the message. But then I said, no, I feel strongly I should go. So I said, Mark, you're going to Bayville? He said, yeah, I'm going. I said, I'm just going to come with you, and I'm just going to go stop at the post office while you go in the building and talk to Jay. So I drop him off. I drive to the post office, and I walk up 
to the woman working there and I say, hey, I say, I just want to make sure we're going to be sending out these postcards. I want to make sure this is right. She said, yeah, it's 100% perfect. It's fine. You just bring them all in. Boom, they're out really quick. I said, awesome. And she said, so I've heard about you guys. She said, you guys are opening that church, right? I said, yeah. She said, are you guys Christian? I said, yeah. She said, I'm really looking for a church. And I said, we would love to have you. I said, we're going to be open on September 30th. We have two services, 930 and 1130. And she said, I'm going to check it out. I was obedient to God. Thank God. I actually, listen, I didn't go my days too busy. I wasn't going there to make sure the postcards were right. God had me going there to talk to this woman. But I could have missed it. You look for the little promptings of the Holy Spirit. Depend on God's presence. Each morning saying, God, I am depending on you today. Something I've learned in my life is each day, my plan is rarely about the future. My plan is to obey God today. Because then the future will line up. And I'm not saying don't use wisdom and planning for your future. Use wisdom and planning for your future. But don't live each day just looking to your future or hoping, my life's not going to be complete until that day comes. No. Live each day, God, I'm going to obey you today. What do you have for me today? Number two, seek. So number one is depend. Two is seek. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this. But from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. And then chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This is, Jesus repeated this scripture. That's how important it was, okay? We need to seek God each and every day in the word, through prayer. The more I've learned, married couples, you'll, you, you'll, you'll be able to understand this too. Or even if you have a best friend, whatever it may be, the more time you spend with somebody, you start kind of becoming like them, like them a little bit, right? Start picking up some of their traits, especially if you're married. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. You know, maybe you realize you're starting to become like your parent. The time you spend with somebody, we, we want to make sure we're spending so much time with God and putting him first that we become more like him because we're spending time with him. We're seeking him. You know, I grew up in an Italian family. I'm like half Italian, but my mom's side was all Italian, and we lived with my grandma for like 14 years, and we love to eat. Like all Italians, you know, when you're full, all that meant was that dessert was coming. And we love to eat. My mom, when she would go food shopping each week, when I was a kid, I didn't mind. Then I was getting older, and I was like, what are you doing? Each week, she would go, and she would always put a crumb cake in. Because when I was a kid, I mean, I ate crumb cake. I need a piece of crumb cake. I ate the crumb cake. But she would always get candy, donuts, cakes each week, like Entenmann's, just putting a bunch of Entenmann's in. And I'd be like, Mom, I was like, oh, there's, like, there's four people living in this house. This is every week. What are you doing? Why? I said, nobody's going to eat this. Why are you buying all this? And she said, well, you don't know if somebody's going to come over this week. I said, somebody hasn't been over in a month. <laughs> but this is every week. I got to I gotta have to make something. If, somebody, if somebody's there, there needs to be something. What if somebody comes over? And I would always be like, I don't understand this. To me, it was so crazy. True story. Bianca and I, we get married. We go on our honeymoon. We come back. It's the first time we're going shopping as a married couple. And my mom was like my best friend. I spent so much time with her. She was my role model. And we go shopping, and I start throwing tons of entomins in the, in the carriage. And she said to me, she said, what are you doing? I looked at her like she was crazy. I said, what do you mean? She said, there's so much dessert. You, you, said, you, you said you're not even on, you're going to be on a diet. We just got back from our honeymoon. You're going to eat desserts. I said, what if somebody comes over this week? And I, that's when I called myself, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm my mother. <laughs> the more time you spend with God, the more time you will be like him. You need to seek him. 
The third one. So we have depend, we have seek, and then number three, to grow in our faith, to grow in our walk with God is apply. Apply. Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2, and then we're going to go to 6 to 8. And now, now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I am about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so that you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add or subtract from these commands I am giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. Just obey the commands. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, How wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I am giving you today? Apply. You need to study God's word, but then you actually need to apply it to your life. Don't just read and not apply. Don't just study and not apply. When we start applying, that's where the growth happens in our lives. When we start applying the word of God to it. Now think about it. How does that come? Well, if you're fearful, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. You need to actually not just read it, but apply that to your life. Start confessing that over your life. If you're having financial problems, like Pastor Mike was talking about for the offering, and you want your finances to get better, and you've been reading, let's say you've been reading Malachi 3.10, bring the tithe into the storehouse, he will not pull a blessing on you. Apply that to your life. Take that step. Start giving. Start tithing, whatever it may be. Apply it to your life. If you're dealing with anxiety, like Philippians, if we have this up here, I think I put it in the notes, four, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. If I don't, I'll just read it. It says, don't worry about anything, Paul is saying. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So if you're dealing with anxiety and you're reading the scripture and you're saying, God, I want to be delivered from this. You're reading it. You need to apply it to your life. So going back, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So when you have a worry, pray to God and then give him thanksgiving as it says. And then the peace comes. But then he says, make sure you fix your mind. And your thoughts on what is honorable, true. So start fixing your thoughts on God. Start fixing your thoughts on God, not your circumstances. Apply that scripture to your life. Don't just skim over it. Don't just read it and say, that's great. I hope it works for me. Say, no, I'm going to work this scripture. I'm going to apply this scripture, and I'm going to see it bring fruit into my life. We need to depend upon God. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to guide you each day. You need to seek God with all of your heart. And you need to apply the word of God to your life. Going back to golf. Now, I didn't shoot par. But once I started trusting the process and I got the form down, I wanted to hit that ball so badly. But when I took my focus off the ball and took my, put my focus on all the little small steps that I had to do, when I put my focus on the process that I can use for the, to swing that club to hit the ball, I hit the ball a little bit better. Might have went into the trees, but it went farther than two inches. All right? You have to trust the process. Let God work in you. Believe that you are being transformed into the person that he has you to be transformed to. And I want to leave you with this. 
When I gave this message to my wife, I said, how do you like it? She said, it's good. She said, but you have to challenge them at the end. I said, okay. I said, what do you have? And she said, tell them this. I'm going to tell you. This is from Bianca. She, <laughs> she said, and this is a challenge for you. Identify something in your life that you need to let go of control in and start trusting the process God is working in your life and make it a point to surrender that each and every day to him. That's right. Go, Bianca. Like the parable of the, of the growing seed, God's going to bring the growth. But we need to plant some seeds. We need to take those small, faithful, obedient steps each and every day. Maybe, that's, maybe that small step for you is making sure you're in the Word of God, even for five minutes, just to start in the morning. Making sure you're praying. Maybe that's that small step. Maybe the small step is serving somewhere. Maybe the small step is going to your neighbor's house and inviting them just over for dinner to spend time with them so their heart can start softening so they can hear the gospel. Whatever that small step is, God, what do you have for